For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Own the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz on the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And this is an interview that I did with Gary Anderson from Night Dreams Paranormal Talk Show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. He was a wonderful host and we had a great conversation. What are you doing tonight? I tell you, I, I'm a little bit kind of uh, all strung out here today. Uh, Ten minutes before going on the air, my internet went down. I got that back up running. And I found out why it went. We got a cat, and it decided to get into the server rack, and all those cables just came disconnected. So I was sitting there, for, you know, trying to plug everything back in if I could get on the air, and here we are. Hey, anyway, I'm going to introduce our guest. Guest, are you here tonight? Yes, I am. You want to tell everybody about you and who you are and all that great stuff? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Marlene pardo Pelliser. I'm a native Miamian. Um, I founded a parent, well, I was a paranormal investigator back, starting back in the 90s. I tell everybody this is when you still had to pay to develop film. Uh, my group was called Miami Ghost Chronicles. And really, I was more of a freelance investigator, per se, than uh, than an actual group. I used to work with different groups. I used to work with a research foundation uh, that used to cover the entire state of Florida. So I would work a lot uh, down in like the South Florida area or if they needed help somewhere else. Um, then, you know... I've been doing this, in other words, for a long time. Uh, throughout that time, I worked as a hypnotherapist uh, and, you know, just seeing the evolution of the paranormal, in other words. Uh, recently, I appeared on one of the episodes of Paranormal Survivor and uh, another one uh, that just came out recently for Haunted Hospitals. And um, and at one point also, I, I've... I held a job as an investigator for the state. So I, I go from one end of the spectrum to the other, you know. So, yeah, that's that's kind of in a nutshell a little bit about me. Wow, that's actually quite a bit. <laughs> now i got to ask you a question. Sure. What is the scariest investigation you've ever been on? Wow. Uh, you know what? You're going to laugh at this. But... One. How about and, and sometimes scary, it, because sometimes when you could go do some of these investigations, you're kind of like ready for things. But I want to say one time, uh, usually if, you know, we had, uh, let's say, a certain amount of investigators, everybody would come kind of like meet there at the client's house because we were coming in from different points. But afterwards, we would say, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to stand out in front of the client's home. Let's meet out in the parking lot of the gas station or wherever. And so we could have like a real quick meeting before everybody goes back. And I remember one time we did something like that. It was really late at night. And this was a place that was really quiet. It must have been close to midnight. Really quiet. And 
one time, and you know, everybody would park their car and just step outside of the car and just, and all of a sudden we started hearing something banging around inside of somebody's trunk. And there was nothing that should have been, I mean, talk about, uh, it really like, we were totally unprepared for it. Uh, and I remember we looked at the, it wasn't my car. We looked at the person whose car it was and was like, did, did you lock your cat in the inside the trunk of the car? What did, and there was something rattling. I mean, we ended up, you know, of course, she had to open up the trunk because none of us is like, your car, you're going to be the one that's going to open it. And of course, there oh, was wow. nothing in there. There was nothing in there. Okay. And it wasn't like, you know, like something shifting, you know. No, it was absolutely something being moved around inside of her vehicle. And, you know, she had stuff in there, you know, like everybody does in their trunk. But, and that was, I want to say, one of the times, and just because of the moments that it was unexpected, and it also made us realize, you know, that thing people always talk about, does anything follow you home when you're an investigator? Yes, it can. Yeah. <laughs> so that's as a matter of fact, after that, I, I would I would definitely smudge down my vehicle before I uh, I came back home. That was one of those early lessons I learned. So, yeah. Okay. It, it tells me it, it, one of the early lessons. Did you have anything ever followed you back home that uh, you weren't happy about? Um, you know what? Um, I would, I'm going to say this and, and, and I've told everybody, uh, you know, that, that, you know, other people that have come to me along the line to ask me about things. At uh, one point I had, it wasn't as a matter of fact, after it would be before an investigation. At one point I had like a, you know, a, a garage that had converted to like a small office, but it was a separate building from the house. I basically converted it into an office. And I remember I would have a window that would face the, like a passageway and it was like frosted glass and sometimes I would sit there working and everything and sometimes I would see a shadow dart back and forth across that frosted glass which by the way the only thing that was on there was like a very narrow little passage where I would just put like my trash cans that I would take out there's in other words there was no didn't face a sidewalk it there's nobody's gonna be out there and after a while I learned that Usually when I saw that, one of two things, either I was about to get a case or a case that I had recently been told about that there was absolutely something legitimately supernatural going on because I would see those shadows. And that's, you know, when you work in the, this, you know, do paranormal investigations, that's one of the things you realize. People think that things only happen as an investigator when you get there. If you truly do have something going on, they, you know, you're there ahead of the curve. You sometimes have things happen uh, to you or to one of the team members around the house like that way before you ever get to the case. As a matter of fact, that's a good tip off that there is something legitimate going on. So in other words, you know, strange things can happen at your house or wherever. Yeah. Day or weeks before you actually go to, you know, investigate at somebody's yeah. house. Yeah, usually I would say like sometimes as a matter a couple of times I would be there and I would see that shadow and I'm thinking because I obviously I knew who was in I it wasn't me and it was like I I'm gonna get a case sure enough within maybe the next seventy two hours I would get an email uh, about some case and if I already had one that I was just you know we were waiting to get together you know work out the logistics of it was like you know what. 
without because you know you you do a pre-interview but you really don't know truly if there is legitimately something paranormal till you get there and that was usually after a while you learned that's my tip off there is something not only is there something there it's intelligent and they're coming to check us out and in some cases i want to say and this is not that common they almost want to head you off at the pass as in kind of scare you off because you know depending depending on what 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 you're dealing with they do try to manipulate um paranormal teams or help or whatever you want to call it away from interfering with what's going on at the house you know i'm going to be honest with you you know for years and years i've been in broadcasting since the mid uh, 70s doing talk shows and uh, I took a break uh, through, uh, I would say, all the 90s. I just wanted to get out of radio. And I took a job as a, a general manager of a chain of professional camera stores. The main corporate store was built in the building uh, in the 1880s. It was old. And originally, it was a hotel. It had like 13 stories. And in the 60s, they cut it down uh, to like uh, four stories because they you know, it wasn't safe any longer. Mm-hmm. But in this, I found out after I, I started working there, uh, my employees, we had a huge basement. And originally, the basement was a bar in the 1880s, all up to the 1920s. Uh, and we stored all our, you know, supplies for all three stores in our basement. And I would send my employees down there, hey, go get this, go get that, right? Okay. After a while, the employees say, I'm not going down there, it's haunted. Now, you know, the people we had working for us was like ex-military, like a ranger. We had an ex-Navy SEAL. Uh, we had a guy who was a chief postman mate in the submarine force. And, and these people are saying, I'm not going to go down there anymore, Gary. You, you know, you, you go get it. And I'm going, oh, come on. You know, and this went on for years because I went down there. I never had any problems. But they, these guys would come and go because I, I would get so tired of them saying it's haunted and refusing to go down there. I would fire them. <laughs> and then we'd hire somebody else, and then after a while, they would go down there, and they would say, hey, it's haunted. Things are moving. I smell things. I get, you know, touched. All the Yeah, sure. You know, I thought they were crazy. Then one day, I went down there, and somebody tapped me really hard on the back of the shoulder. <laughs> and I turned around, and guess what? Nobody there. I mean, I was ready to punch somebody out, but there was yeah. nobody hit. And I go, this is really strange. And then I went down there a couple of days later. I smelled lilac. Uh-huh. And I took another step, and then I didn't smell anything, and the smell went away. You know, and then it just, I don't want to go into it because this is your time. But I tell no, you, let me tell you something. I think it's up. a great story because, you know what? I don't know what it is about cellars and basements, like something that's dug into the ground. But you get the darkest stories versus stuff that's in the middle of the house whatever usually when it involves basements or something it's like okay god it's usually something dark i don't know why and and one time i had somebody tell me something where he was a paranormal investigator he got slapped in the forehead and it was in the basement of a house that they were doing the investigation and it was like like you said you can't mistake it like oh i brushed up against something and no he got slapped in the forehead so and I so I kind of understand also what you're saying as far as you can't mistake a that for something else. 
Oh, yeah. And I tell you, it got so uh, worse because I would be down there sometimes late. I'm talking like to midnight. You know, also, I, I took a trade up because I, was, I didn't know if I was going to go back into broadcasting at the point. So I took up a, a trade because I have an electronic background on working on cameras. Mm-hmm. And I'd stay there late at night working on cameras, you know, repairing them. And going up next to my office was the old staircase for the hotel. It went up to our general office and it went up to another floor. And I would hear footprints or footsteps going up the uh, stairs at night. Uh-huh. And I would think, oh, wow, I double locked the doors so the owners couldn't get in there. I'd go in there and turn all the lights on and look and there's nobody there. And then it would progress out a week or two later instead of hearing like one person going up the stairs. And I'd hear like two or three people walking up the stairs. And then it got even so bad towards last, I heard muffled talking. Wow. And that, when I, I told the owner, I said, you know what? I'm not working here anymore. I can't <laughs> deal with it. Did you feel kind of bad and, for those guys you fired? You know, I, <laughs> I did. Because I, I probably fired in, in a 10-year period probably a, a dozen people. Right. Because I got tired of hearing about guilt. But then I did some research after I quit. I found out it was a brothel at one point in the oh, 1890s, you know, 1900s. Then I found out that one of the uh, prostitutes was actually murdered, cut up in pieces, and was uh, found in a trunk in the room upstairs back wow. at that time frame. And then there was a couple shootings in the bar where people got killed, you know, because it was wow. down in Tacoma. You know, the ship would come in, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was kind of crazy time back yeah. those time frames. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it opened my eyes up that, you know, uh, there is things out there that do yeah. go up in the night. And yeah. which, uh, before that, I didn't believe in ghosts. I, if anybody told me there was ghosts, I thought they were crazy. Now I know there is something. No, let me tell you. And uh, that question that you originally asked me about, like, because, you know, st- stuff starts coming back, memories about scary stuff. I remember one time um, I, I was doing an investigation and it was like, again hours into it and it's like okay you go over there and i'll go over here and let's you know let's let it quiet down and it was one of those um the house was empty in other words nobody was living there it was empty so it was really quiet and it was one of those and i remember i was like it was one of those older houses where you know where everything is kind of like narrower um and i was upstairs and there was it was like uh two bedrooms upstairs and i remember i was like off a hallway and I was just sitting down on the floor and I distinctly heard not only somebody coming up the the stairs, but somebody barefoot coming up the stairs. Okay. And I don't know, I don't know if it's because it was such, it wasn't like, you know, one of, like you said, like a hotel staircase. This was a, an older house with those narrower uh, staircases, you know, like basically just went upstairs and, that's I think that's yeah, why did you I get heard it creaking. Down? Yeah, that you could did hear it really cre- well. Creaking when they were going. Let me tell you, I knew for oh, wow. we first of all we would nobody would have come up there without you know, you know raising you know saying hey I'm going you know, in other words we were trying we were trying to do EVPs we were just trying to capture stuff we had a couple of cameras running here and there and you don't want to contaminate it it was quiet and we were hoping okay let's see if something comes up. And sometimes it's true you don't cap- you don't realize what you capture till afterwards. So it was really quiet. It was on purpose, and I knew there was nobody that was barefoot. Nobody was going to be strolling from the team, barefoot, coming up the stairs. And I distinctly heard. I remember I had 
you know, I couldn't see the staircase. That was the thing. The way I positioned myself, I was trying to keep an eye. There was two bedrooms that came off like a hallway once you reached the top of the stairs. And I had placed myself almost, for lack of a better word, with my back. I couldn't see the stairs at all. I was trying to keep an eye on both bedrooms. And I remember hearing it and I was like, and I'd say, and it, 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 what's really funny is I heard it coming louder, like when somebody's ascending the stairs. And if anybody's ever ascended, you, there's a distinct difference when somebody's wearing shoes to a barefoot tread. And that's what I heard coming up the stairs. It was a barefoot tread. And then I was like, okay, you're going to, at some point, you're going to have to turn around. And it's almost like, let me tell you, talk about a frightening moment is where, okay, this is it. You got to put your big girl pants on. And I remember I just turned around. It was kind of dark and we had ambient light. We, and there was nothing there. It was just almost it, like almost like a, a, when you, when it got to the, it just dissipated, stopped. There was nothing there. I was, I was very wigged out. I was really wigged out. And it was like, how much am I feeling right now is actually something supernatural versus paranormal i mean i had the the goosebumps everything the hair on the back of my neck was standing up and um then later on that night i remember i said okay i i decided to stay up there and again i was i wasn't running i was running just a a small digital recorder and all of a sudden the one of the bedrooms that I was concentrating on it the only thing they had it was kind of empty and they had uh like you know the you know the bed irons and stuff like that for the bed it was they had it propped up against a, one of the walls of the room and there was a corner that was really dark and all of a sudden I smelled you know like when it's about to rain that you get like that smell of ionization yeah the ozone yeah yeah all of a sudden I'm like smelling this and I'm like you know and I first of all I could tell there wasn't rain and I knew because what that's one of the things you do when you go to uh to do investigations you check the weather reports just so that you're prepared for inclement weather not only during the investigation but getting to and from the investigation so I knew there was no rain forecast I could look out the window there was no rain and all of a sudden I'm smelling ionization and then I'm looking in the corner because I'm by the door of the bedroom and I'm looking again I'm sitting down in the floor because there's no chairs and I'm looking towards the corner that's across from me which is like the darkest point of the room in the shadows and something comes out of there and when I say something it just it started out small and then it kind of enlarged a little bit um almost like, like a human shape, you know, size. It didn't step out of the shadow totally the size of a person. It just grew a little bit. And it's really weird because in the shadow, and this is kind of hard to explain, I, you could see, you know, when somebody, uh, their neck shifts and they become aware of you. Like all oh, of a yeah. sudden, I see in the shadow where the face or the thing of whatever was there, like looks around at me and becomes aware of me and goes into the closet. And it was like, I, let me tell you, I was, I didn't move, not because I was trying to stay still. It was like, even though you're there for that whole purpose, it was, and as soon as it went into the closet, that smell, everything, and this happened very quickly. It's not like it was a drawn out process. 
but yeah, that's one of the times that that one place that it, I had a couple of, you know, moments there where it was like, oh, okay, you know, to, you know, tomorrow I'm gonna have a recovery day because this is this is a, <laughs> it, it was a rough day. It was a rough day. It was a good, interesting day, but you need a down day after having an investigation like that. I guess is what I'm saying. Now, have you investigated any of the old homes? You know, back in the 1800s, mm -hmm. all the way up to around the early 1900s. You know, a lot of times when people passed on, uh, right. you, you know, they put the body in the coffin, naturally, right. in the park. And the people would have, you know, come over and, you know, have like a little, little picnic and celebrate that person's life. Right. And I think by doing that, I think sometimes the people don't go on, you know, to the light. They're still maybe trapped at that house. Have you... You run across anything like that? Well, you know, well, th and this is the thing, and you're absolutely right. You know, I would, because, you know, a lot of people nowadays, you know, especially if the house has a little bit of history, they'll say, oh, because so and so died. And I was like, you know, once upon a time, it was really common. People would have their babies at home and die at home. You know, it wasn't like, how can I say, it wasn't macabre. It wasn't sinister. It was like, you know, especially if the person had an illness, it was, people would pass away in the house. And I know what you're saying. Um, occasionally I've had that, especially if the person had lived there for like a really long time, you know, like, you know, before people wouldn't be so transient and people would like live 20, 30, 40 years in the same house. Or uh, second generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people wouldn't, wouldn't move away. They would stay there or somebody would stay there. I've had a couple of instances. I've had other instances though. And I don't know if it's because Miami's a little bit newer. When I say newer, I would say Miami's been really established a little bit over a hundred years, really, really, truly. Um, where and and I found this in uh, other parts of the United States, where when towns were growing up, and inevitably, you know, they would start building stuff. And in this case, for example, uh, Henry Flagler was pulling, putting out the railroad, and they were trying to get the the people from north to winter down here, and he was bringing the railroad. They would bring in people to work on these projects. Uh, and what would happen is people would come in from different parts of the country basically to build whatever it was that was being built. Now, what would happen is, in some cases, the cemetery would be far away from where this was being built at, and a lot of these transient people, they didn't have a place to bury them, so they would make what I call like a unofficial graveyard because, you know, back, you know, the, either the people didn't have family or nobody would claim them, the company who they were working for were like, okay, so what do we do with these people? Um, even back then, uh, it would cost a little, not a lot, but you know, you had to pay for something. Uh, and so they would basically make unofficial graveyards. Like, yeah, we're gonna, you know, go ahead and b bury them there because there's no family, nobody's claiming them. So, and I've run across some stuff, uh, some places where they've discovered later on and of course, if they would put a marker, usually it was a wooden cross, which would, you know, that disappears real quick with the weather. And everybody forgets that once upon a time that there was people buried there. And, and even then, they would sometimes they wouldn't even put them in a casket. They would just put them in those, what they call those winding sheets. And, you know, people would die, have accidents on these jobs. You know, a lot of the things that people would do back then when they were building railroads or whatever the case might be or buildings kind of was very dangerous work and uh that i have run across 
You know, everybody worries about cemeteries. There's a lot of places that are cemeteries and people just don't know that they are. Oh, yeah. You know, especially older houses, you know, it was quite common, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, if they had any acreage at all, they would plant there. I hate to say the word plant, yeah. but the deceit. The, the property, maybe next to that old maple or oak tree, you know, and yeah. and they'd be buried there. Then years and years go by, and then, you know, people, you know, come and go in the house. And next thing you know, somebody's out there doing, you know, gardening, and all of a sudden starts finding bones. Yes. Uh, it, and strange things start happening before that. I, you know, I was talking to a detective I had on my show here a couple months ago, a retired state uh, police, uh, again, detective. He was also a homicide uh, detective. And he's now into ghost hunting, and he went to one house one time. They were having a lot of polar guys, a lot of weird things going on. Mm-hmm. And it turned out they lived behind a cemetery. Okay. That wasn't the issue. They brought some ground uh, radar, detecting radar on the property, right. started checking out the person's backyard, and found out there's like six or seven bodies, you know, buried yes. all the way up to almost to their uh, entrance to their back door of their house. Yes, yes, that that that's... Let me tell you, and every once in a while, I don't know if you've seen the news, every once in a while, people will still be digging for some project, and then they discovered a a cemetery, an official cemetery that's almost like the Poltergeist movie, where they said, yeah, we moved, they moved the headstones, but they didn't move the body, uh, where they'll say, oh, we're, you know, we're moving all these, um, all the coffins or whatever, the burials to another cemetery. And, but let's face it, these, a lot of these developers, they're thinking, man, it's going to cost a lot of money or they'll take some. And then after a while, Mm -hmm. it'll be like, it's going to cost too much money. You know, forget it. Nobody does. Nobody knows. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, 50, 60 years, depends. People start digging, like you said, for some reason. And they come across coffins and bones. And it turns out that, yeah, that they didn't move everybody. Or and you're like what you said, people would have those family, um, those family graveyards. The thing is, here in South Florida, especially deep South Florida, we have what they call the limestone. Okay, where to dig a hole here? As a matter of fact, we had I had a, there's a cemetery out here that closed down in 1955, and I remember that to dig a hole there, they had to pick it. You know, this was before the use of heavy machinery. This is around 1919. Uh, and until they found this one guy who was really good with dynamite and it would take him six hours, what they would normally take two days to, uh, basically dig the hole because over here it's like solid limestone, um, in order to, to dig, you know, sufficiently down to bury the person. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that happens quite a lot, uh, as far as, uh, you know, and even now, I believe, it's, if I'm correct, it's not against the law. If you want to dig a hole for your loved one and bury them in your property, I believe you can do that. Yep. Yeah, I know there are some parts of the country you can. I mean, I was surprised where I live. I'm kind of on farmland. And, you know, I, you know, I had a couple animals pass on, and I was thinking, oh, boy, what do I do? I called up the county, and they said, well, you can just bury them on your property. Yeah. Well, not people, but, you know. Can you yeah. imagine somebody being buried on your property and you never had any experience in your house of anything, you know, making noise, doors opening, closing, or, you know, right. slack on the walls. And all of a sudden you're out there doing some, uh, you know, gardening and you're digging and all of a sudden you start finding human bones. And all of a sudden now yes. you go in your house that night and you hear a door slam 
and then it just keeps getting worse every day. Yes. I've, I've heard those things happen. Have you? Yes, I, I heard. I've yeah. Um, I remember one time we did an investigation it was up in Fort Lauderdale, which is a little bit north of Miami, and it, again it was in the older part. You know, because out here everything starts from the coast where the beaches are. That's the older part of almost all the cities out here on in uh, South Florida, and then it works westward. And this house, it was had been renovated, but in reality, it was an older house. And I remember they, when I was going up, they said, "Oh, by the way, they found a headstone in the yard." I, was, I said, "A what?" You know, like they found the what? And it was yeah, it was a headstone. Um, they hadn't gone digging to find out, but it was one of those very old. You know how they had this very smaller headstones, very simple. In other words, it uh -huh. wasn't like one of those, something that was made, which m makes you think somebody that had done it themselves or buried the person in their property. Uh, it was a very basic headstone and they hadn't gone. And they had, after they had discovered it, they had started having some activity. And we were like, okay, is this the power of suggestion? You find a headstone and, you know, but yeah, it did turn out that there was something going on there. Uh, but absolutely, and, it, 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 and what triggered it apparently was a discovery of this headstone that, again, they had, um, I believe it, it was a detached garage. Because, you know, some of these older Florida homes, they would have either carports or detached garages, and then you would walk into the house proper. And they were renovating in the back, and they were doing some digging, and that's when they came across it. And after that, that's when they started having things going on, and they had a little boy uh, who was starting to sit, you know, you know, children will start saying things that they're seeing things and they start having a bunch of things going on. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe it only had a, a first name like Arthur. It didn't have a lot of information. It didn't have any dates on the headstone. It just had that one name. So it was really difficult to like, okay, where do you go with this? As far as how do you find out? Uh... And people don't realize, at least here in Florida, before the year, I want to say, either 19, I think it was 1917, you did not have to produce a death record. You know that now vital statistics, you have to record births and deaths. Back then, uh -huh. you know, people passed away, children especially passed away. They weren't forced to record the death. Uh, sometimes they would do it if you had church records. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks but a lot of times they didn't they didn't do that so yeah that uh that was one of those that as far as what we're talking about as far as burials on your on your property sometimes people you know what they say ignorance is bliss yeah oh yeah yeah and uh now how about any violent cases where anybody got scratches or you know got shoved you know down or Anything interesting like that? Have you been into any of those? In, um, well, this is, well, you know what? Um, we have had cases where 
Uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes they call me to consult on a lot of these, and I've worked, like I said, as a freelancer with a lot of different teams. In other words, uh, and usually there's a lot, it usually involves something having to do with dark magic, okay? And by this I mean um, magic that's been done to basically pull in spirits of the dead that really don't belong there. How's that? In other words, I'm not talking about somebody that lived there or got killed there. You know, what you usually think of, this is the spirit. Uh, the dark magic that was done was, was binding that soul and they were using it. And sometimes um, the people move away and they leave, they basically leave it there, okay? Or sometimes they send it there. It's in some type of dark, ma in certain types of magic, you know, they will send that spirit there, which by the way is a discarnate, basically to cause trouble. It's kind of a weird thing. And those can be quite violent and quite sinister, okay? Because sometimes, I want to say not all the time, but a good portion of the time, we're talking here a, a spirit that does not know it's dead or is very confused or not accepting. And they they can be uh, very, uh, you know, I've, I've had, you know, a couple, a couple of times I had somewhere, you know, one of your first signs is nightmares. Uh, and because a lot of people think that stuff like this happens like from one day to the next and it's a lot more subtle. It starts very slowly and it starts stuffing stuff like nightmares, uh, things of that nature. Like for example, one time we had a case with this young lady. Uh, she had been, she had been, uh, she was engaged to get married and her and her fiance had bought a townhouse. And they had last minute, things fell apart, but she stayed with a townhouse. And she says one day she's out with her girlfriends. She's a real pretty girl. And uh, they meet this man. This was, you know, that down here in South Florida, they have some, what they call Santeria, which is Afro-Caribbean. It's not voodoo exactly, but it's like an offshoot, similar, but different. It's not the same thing. Uh, per se. I was going to ask you that. I was going to yeah, ask you yeah, about that. Yeah, that, that you see that here a lot. And um, I, don't, I forget where she had gone somewhere. And they came across and it was it was a, an important date that they were going to have some type of big party, big celebration. And this guy says, hey, if you want to come to my house, we're going to have this big celebration. So her and her girlfriends are all curious, like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll go, we'll go. So he gives them the address. They show up. Sure enough, to have this big feast and this big thing, and they hang out. And this guy, he was the one giving it. And this was, of course, the, all the the majority of people there are believers in Santeria. Uh, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know firsthand. But they say after a while, they like kind of got an eyeful, and then they said, "Okay, we're leaving." And I guess he was kind of interested in her, and he's like, "Oh no, you know, uh, stay a bit, you know, give me a chance." And bottom line, they stayed. But at the end, they were like, "Okay, we're leaving. We want to go somewhere else." And long story short apparently this guy says oh don't leave and she was like look i'm leaving because i just want to leave i'm not going to stay that was it she leaves and she could tell that he was kind of mad upset okay so she goes on her way she says the first thing she notices this is like right now the this townhouse she lived in was a two-story townhouse she had a little dog and she says all of a sudden her dog would 
sit at the bottom of the stairs and start barking and barking and barking. And she says this dog had never done that before. And she was like, what is wrong with this dog? And she said she couldn't get the dog to go upstairs for nothing. She says before the dog would sleep upstairs with her. And um, the dog would just sit and sit and bark and bark and bark. And she says then, and another time she started getting the feeling it like when she would be like at the kitchen sink uh, or doing something in the kitchen, like somebody was watching her. And she was alone in the house with the dog. She would turn around at nobody there. And she says that it started very slowly. And it's just a couple of times she would was be falling asleep and she would hear like somebody whisper in her ear. But she couldn't make out what it was. But it was almost like, you know, right when you're dropping off to sleep. And she was like, the first couple of times it was like, okay, I was starting to have a dream. And then what happened was that that feeling started becoming more and more and more pronounced. Uh, the feeling of being watched. The A couple of times she almost like, again, when she was falling asleep, she almost felt like somebody had like, like, you know, when you're bed, you feel somebody get on the bed with you. And she says that she was afraid to tell her, like her sister, her mom, because she was thinking, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. And she says also during that time, she had put up the, the townhouse for sale and, you know, everything fell through and it just really getting worse. And she says, I really was fearing for my sanity because she says she started experiencing that feeling of being watched outside of the house. And she says that one, one day she lays down and she feels somebody or something, whatever you want to call it, lay down next to her. And she says she put out her hand because she was kind of asleep and she felt somebody next to her. Ooh. And she says that she got up. She says she, she says she grabbed the clothes, the dog, and she ran off to her sister, her married sister's house and made her uh, leave the light on and slept on the floor next to her bed and uh, stayed there for a week. Her sister would go pick up some clothing. And then a friend of a friend who was into spiritualism, uh, you know, you know, basically, you know how people contact everybody and we had somebody channel and it turned out that that guy had sent a dead guy to be with her. And he was like, they channeled this, this uh, spirit and the spirit was in a man in his thirties and he was like, I don't want to hurt her. I just want to be with her. This man, this spirit was unaware that he was dead. Okay. And you know, they sent him on his way, but he was trying to basically do an attachment to her. And the reason oh, it, wow. it, the hauntings don't always come because you move into the wrong place in other words. <laughs> so yeah, that can happen sometimes with, with that type of situation. Yeah. That would be so scary to, you know, all of a sudden, yeah. And this is really interesting. Now this is not a human, but I had one of my, my favorite dog passed away a couple months ago. I had this dog for almost 20 years and uh, the, it always would sleep by our feet. But then when he figured we were asleep, he would creep all the way up to my pillow and share my pillow with me. Uh-huh. And after he passed on, I, I swear to God, I felt him kind of creeping the, you know how the mattress kind of, you yes. get the little feet of the mattress and it was going on like that. And that lasted for a couple of weeks and then it quit. But uh, even my wife noticed that and, and she goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm not doing anything, but you can feel like his little feet just going up and down on the bed, you know, sneaking up. And that tells me that, you know, even yes. animals and, uh, and he, they, I, they don't, I don't think they realize that they're dead. And uh, that, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know if I could handle, you know, reaching over and, and feeling something 
when I know it's nothing there. Well, that would I would lose it. See that? Well, that's basically what happened to her. She said she just grabbed her clothes, the dog, and ran out the front door. Oh, and by the way, after they passed the spirit on, she instantly got uh that was able to sell the house. She said, "Oh, I can't." Like she says, like within two weeks. Is this? By the way, this was a brand new townhouse. This was there was nothing there. It was it had been brand new built that when they her and her fiance, her ex fiance, had bought it. She like two two weeks later, she got a contract on it and she sold it. Uh, so I mean, and I know some people say, well, but sometimes things like this can manipulate things in the background. And that thing that you were talking about the dog, um, I was reading uh, about a story, something similar. An older couple, they had a little dog, you know, little dog. The dog passed away eventually, and they said that they had a, like a little spot, like I guess they had like a, a little porch in the back, you know, where they would have its things. And they said they started hearing the dog barking back there. And they were like, what? It's kind of similar. And they said that at the beginning, they were like, oh, you know, because it's this little dog that they were really heartbroken when the dog died. But it didn't stop. <laughs> and to the point that they were like starting to like, okay, we're over it. Like, And one day the lady went out to this little area in the back room and whatever was there growled at her but it wasn't like the little dog because apparently it was a, one of those little dogs I think it was a Pomeranian or something like that whatever was there growled uh -huh. at her and it wasn't like my little dog growling and I was like see that that would wig me out totally <laughs> <laughs> it would I, I'll be it, it wigged me out with, with, with my dog what after it passed on yeah. On, you know, again, I'd be sleeping or I wouldn't even be sleeping. I'd be watching TV. And then I felt the, the mattress making that little uh, sinking, yeah. creaking noise, you know, like the footsteps. I, I tell you, I, I, ah, I don't know. I right. When I die, they better bury me face down. I, <laughs> I wouldn't even go into that one. No, you know, no need to, but we, I, we all get it. At least I do. <laughs> but yeah, you no, know, one thing I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, a friend of mine who recently passed on, Art Bell, yes. you know, he would tell me that one of his guests, uh, 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 was it uh, Lear, I told him, when you die, you know, that going to the light is a trick. You want to go through the darkness. And uh, I, Art, you know, we would talk, you know, on the phone every so often. And, he, you know, one, and this is like about a month before he passed on. Because it had bothered him for years. He goes, you know, I don't know when I die. Do I go to the light or go to the to the darkness? Because, you know, I, I kind of feel like maybe. Yeah, what if I choose the wrong one? You know, what to, yeah, because, you know, you, you go to the light and that might be the trick. You know? Right. Oh, and then if you go to the darkness, which is peace, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to try to go in between. Well, you know what? It's really funny because when you remember back in the 80s when Dr. Moody came out with a near-death experience that he had done all these things about all these people were having the near-death experience and how everybody would describe the tunnel and the light. And and then, then, then came the people that rained on the parade who described these really bad near-death experiences, like that they, it was really dark. I was like, whoa, okay. Before it was okay, no problem. You have the tunnel and then, you know, the light. And then you have your loved ones and maybe you would be sent back. But it was like, okay, no problem. You knew where you were going. And then, of course, other people started saying, no, they had really bad uh, near-death experiences where it was really dark. And I was like, okay, well, like you were saying, well, which which is the right door? You know, the lady or the tiger, What, which one do I choose? Yeah, uh, I don't. 
And I, unfortunately, we don't get to make that choice to it happen, do we? Well, no, right. It's one of those things that, um, yeah, you're you're thinking it's like, I mean, it's yeah, it's one of those things like you don't know till you're there, and then it's like okay, too late to ask. <laughs> You know, hopefully. You know, it's... I will say this. I was going to say this. My father had dementia. He had mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Right. And the last year he was alive, he was in the bed. He was basically nothing more than a vegetable. I mean, mm-hmm. he was not even coherent. Mm-hmm. And the doctors told me, you know, that uh, and they did, and they said one of these days, you know, you want to put him on life support or whatever. And I, and me and my brother said, you know, no. Mm-hmm. But we get a phone call and it's from the doctors where he was at. And they said, your dad came too, and he's talking and he wants to see you. So I had to make like a 60-mile trip to go where he was at. Okay. I get in there and he's in his room and he's talking and he's totally coherent. Wow. You know, and he's asked me if I still, you know, did what I was doing. We had a little talk. And then he, he, he said, you know, I'm going to die today. And, you know, that kind of freaked me out because here he's been, you know, in a vegetable state for a year. Mm-hmm. But he was talking normal. And the doctors told me they, they haven't seen anything. At least they haven't. Where right. somebody came through and, you know, and, and we were. And then he started talking about my mom, which passed away about maybe six years before my dad did. Mm-hmm. About she came to see him. And then the, uh, his brother and, you know, my uncles, which are all been passed on. And, you know, he was telling me that he's going to be joining my mom and all this stuff. You know, and then, you know, we, we, he, you know, tried to eat a sandwich, which he, he didn't do a good job. You know, the doctor said, well, maybe he, he needs a rest. Well, he passed away before he even got home. Yeah. It was like he and was... it was funny. He came to, he was here and lucid. And then, you know, I, and I just, it makes me wonder, but it made me, you know, he was telling me like what heaven was like. And, and he was totally, like I said, he was making sense, you know, and he was, this, it, it, it scared me because maybe sometimes when people do on the verge of death, maybe they are seeing their loved one. Well, um, one time I was speaking to a hospice nurse and, you know, sometimes in hospice people can last for a while. It's not necessarily a lot of people think that and she, she had been doing this for quite a few years. And I remember her telling me, she goes, you know what? I know when one of my patients is going to be passing away. And I say, how? She goes, well, when they start talking to or about relatives that are deceased. She goes, in some cases, I've since I've worked with them for a bit, when they start talking, they start mentioning certain names. I know that that person that they're talking about, whether it's a husband or whatever, is deceased. She goes, and sure enough, when they start saying or talking about, um, oh, I spoke to so-and-so, or they're actually speaking like that person is in the room with them, then she says, sure enough, they're not long for this world. Uh, and she goes, sometimes they'll have health crisis and they come out of it. But once I start seeing that, you know, and she says the same thing. And some of them sometimes have dementia or, you know, they have Alzheimer's or they're just, you know, they're not all there. Says, man, they'll start talking to people who I know are dead, and she says, and uh, that's one of my signs that that they're going to be dying soon. So, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's well, it's kind of comforting if you think about it, though, uh, in the sense of yeah. 
Well, I, I think it'd be comfort, uh, comforting for the you know the person who's about ready to pass on. I don't, I don't know. I, I tell you, it wasn't really comfort for me watching. You know, what my, you know, like I said, we had a normal conversation about you know job wise and mm-hmm. all this stuff. You know, asking questions because I mean he thought it was like you know maybe two years. You know, he lost yeah. like almost years of mental capability. Uh, so he was living in the past and I had to bring right. him up to what was going on mm-hmm. and, it, it, you know, he was digesting all that stuff, but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go through that again. I'll tell you that. Oh no, no. And Unless, you know what? It's, it's, it's my time. It's really weird. You know, you hear about some people don't not, you know, waiting for their loved you know, their family or a special person to arrive. And then there's others that it's really weird. They kind of wait till everybody leaves. Like, like everybody says, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to go home and shower. It's almost like they want to pass. But it's like, I, I'm going to do it when you're all the way from here for some reason. I've heard of both scenarios playing out. Uh, but it almost sounds like he really wanted to have that last conversation with you, Gary. He he wanted to, yeah. you know, like, kind of. I, 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 to me, it almost sounds like, almost like trying to make you feel better. Like, especially, you know, that he told you he's going to be with your mom. And like, in other words, don't worry, I'm good. You know, oh, yeah. You know, and we had a little problem the last, you know, I'm the one along with my brother. It put him originally, you know, from the hospital into the nursing home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was not ever happy about that. But as the dementia went on and the Alzheimer's went on, you know, then pretty soon he didn't even know who we were. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't, I just think to myself, I don't want to go through that. If I die, I want to die fast. Right. You know, I, and again, what you're saying that some people want to wait to like their loved ones leave the room. Yeah. Maybe they 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 hang on, okay, and they're hanging on to you know to make closure with their family. Right. But then at a certain point, they they they, they probably are saying to themselves, "Please leave the room for I can go meet my maker now." Right. Yeah. Like. And I hate to say it, but I'm sure. Yeah. Sometimes it does work out that way. It's like it's you know, especially if you. You know, you've got, you know, you know, we always think, you know, you do have sometimes family members that even if the person is elderly, they still like, oh, don't, you know, they're very, they're grieving a lot, you know, and it's almost like, you know what, I can't leave while this is going on. And, and on that note, I mean, I have also heard, you know, sometimes where you will have somebody that's passed on and the person that's left behind grieves so hard and starts with that don't leave that they actually bind them down. They don't let them leave because they want to comfort this person. This person is grieving so hard and in so much despair that they almost bind them from going on to where they should be because they're like caught like this person, you know, doesn't seem to be able to, I need to help this person, especially, you know, a loved one, a spouse, a child, a grandchild or vice versa, whatever. This. So you have sometimes you have to be real careful because I have run across that. As a matter of fact, when I was doing some of the hypnosis, yep. you know, and, and we talked about that briefly before, you know, that part of the work I did with alternative hypnosis was with spirit attachments. And that every once in a while, you will run across that where the attachment is uh, a loved one. What, what you're saying, basically, and maybe I got this wrong, you, you have family members there and somebody's about ready to pass on mm-hmm. and, and basically. They're making the the person who's passing on feel guilty that they're leaving them, and then yeah. they don't go to the light. They they they're there, yeah. uh, you know, trying to get comfort even after they they pass on to their loved ones. 
Right, like the person is, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, of course you're going to grieve, but, you know, this is the person or the loved one that will say, don't leave me, don't leave, you know, or how could you do this? Or, you know, pe things that people say sometimes when they're grieving, don't get me wrong, but it's almost like, in other words, and, and sometimes that spirit, which understands that it's kind of passed on, doesn't want to leave because they feel like either I have to protect this person or comfort this person or like, they especially sometimes even if in life they were like the protector you know they took that role that that's their personality they get attached they they get they don't follow what they normally do which is um you know go like you know i'm going to use the stereotypical get, going to the light thing whatever wherever it is that you're supposed to go they don't and they that's and they can get enmeshed in somebody's aura and, and then that becomes a whole that's a whole different thing but yeah and then they can't leave, even when they want to. They can't leave because they're enmeshed in that other person's aura. Sometimes they do. Yeah, sometimes when the uh, and, and that happens, you know, when you have people, you know, how people when it's fresh they're grieving, and then as months go by, they kind of start getting over it. And that's why you, sometimes you have these people that you never see them get over the grief. In other words, they never move on. And it's because they have some type of spiritual attachment. Uh, and by the or way, they, also strong hate will they, do that. Or th then when they they do get over the griefing, they all of a sudden start hearing the refrigerator open and closing the steps yes. and all that stuff. And then, you know, sometimes when even when they move out, the next person that moves in that property now, all of a sudden that. No, no, no. This thing is attached to Attachment them. to that property. No, both of them no. personally. No, the attachment. Well, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you will have a spirit that will stay behind because, but no, what I'm talking about is a spiritual attachment to that person. In other words, um, let's 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 go with the married couple, for example. Let's say the husband dies, and the wife goes through this. Oh, don't leave me! How could you? Whatever. Or he might be the job. Whatever. He attaches to her. He just stays behind. He wants to comfort her gets enmeshed in her aura. And by the way, I'm giving you a very condensed version of the process. He cannot leave six, seven months down the road, a year down the road. She's better. Okay. She's like, for some reason, she cannot get on with her life. A lot of times she'll feel like somebody's staring at her. In other words, sometimes she might even feel he's like right next to her. And maybe at the very beginning, it was kind of a little bit comforting. But then as time goes on, okay, it's not. And basically he's attached to her and he cannot leave. And sometimes you can get that person to move on, but it's a really, really weird situation. Uh, and also if that, let's say the person that's left behind that's alive wants to move on with their life, maybe meet somebody new, get remarried. They'll oh, run yeah. into problems along those lines because basically they have an attachment from their ex spouse or whoever that is. Uh, and I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, I have too. Now we're down to like the last five minutes. Uh, why don't you tell people about your book? Okay. Well, um, my first book, it's, uh, it's when you talked about, it, it's about the it's titled the haunted history of the old West wicked ladies and the bad hombres they loved. And basically it's ghost stories, but it has a lot to do with like old West of frontier towns. It's very similar to what you were describing that went on in that, place that you used to work at which was a real eye-opener when I did the research then I did another one called uh Lady in the Blue Kimono which is more like true 
uh, murder mysteries that I came across that contrary to modern days, a lot of things, uh, really horrific crimes happened. A lot of them didn't get solved. Very similar. You know how the Black Dahlia, we hear so much about that. There was very similar oh, yeah. murders to that, that along the same lines. Some did get solved. Others didn't. Um, and I did one that came out at the end of last year, which was supernatural safety. And I talk about things that people can do themselves when they believe or they think that something paranormal is going on in their house or things to do even before you move into a new location. And then I've got another one I'm working on that's going to come out in, uh, in August. And it's, uh, and it's titled, it's again, uh, about, uh, it's called an odd collection of old and obscure true ghost stories. And these are just short true ghost stories uh older times and some of them they definitely fall into the urban myth but there's a lot of them that are that were true you know and again these are ghost stories that sometimes you know what who it's what it's about or what prompted it and it got resolved and others it's just things that people witness without any further explanation as to what occurred you know what what prompted it, in other words oh yeah well how can they find your book well, they can go to either uh, MarlenePardo.com uh, or they can go to Amazon Marlene Pardo Pellicer or they can go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. On all those locations, they can find out about me, the books, anything else. And, uh, you know, they have questions sometimes. Like I said, I do consult with some groups. I don't have a problem with that. You know, uh, questions sometimes about weird, like recently I had an investigation they were consulting about what they thought was maybe an Egyptian artifact that somebody had brought back that they were thinking was uh, possibly the root of a, of a of something that was going on. In other words, it kind of were thinking that that was the source, which is cursed or, or just objects that has been attachment. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got like two minutes. Is there anything you want to say in the last two minutes? Well, um, you know what? Uh, I am one of those uh, investigators that, you know, especially when you've been doing this for a, a long time, things have changed a lot in the last 20 years. And uh, one of the things that I talk to people about, because, you know, there's a lot of people running around trying to be paranormal investigators. And I think it's fun. It sometimes can be boring, but you have to be really careful. And and no kidding aside, I don't, I don't do this to be scare people, but you really have to be careful sometimes where you go number one personal safety by the way and um, we're not only talking the dead people okay but sometimes you can really which is not that common but you can run into very sinister and dark things uh at investigations or even cemeteries uh like as you know people ask me people that are not aware of some of these cemeteries they have what they call cemetery sentinels and these are non-human entities that are posted at graveyards and that's that's a whole different things but yeah it's very fun it's exciting and i think sometimes people get carried away but they have to really be careful about what places they go to to do oh you know i'm sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say also you gotta be really careful if you go in an old building that's oh, God, abandoned yes make sure you don't fall through the ceiling or fall through the basement yeah. because you could die there because you know, you fall down, break a leg or whatever, you can't get out. No one knows you're there. Yeah. So make sure you go. When you do anything like that, one, get permission by the owner, you know, yeah. the, the property. Two is tell people where you're going. If you mm -hmm. don't, 
Those, those things, you're asking for problems. Yeah, because you have a lot of what they call these legend trippers that are not necessarily doing it for paranormal. They're not going on a team, in other words. They're just going to some place that, you know, some spooky stories are about. And I would, I would tell people, never go by yourself exactly for the reason you just stated or sometimes you go into these abandoned places and you get people that are squatting there and that are not happy that you just walked in on their location so you got to be really careful yep oh yeah a good way to get hurt or killed yes yes well well marlene i really enjoyed having you on night dreams talk radio after dark we need to get you back on if possible like in in july or something and where we can you know go Oh, a full two hours. Yes, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Okay, well, the weekend's coming up. Uh, I just want to, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you. You take care. Bye-bye. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. <laughs>